Hey everyone, welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today we've got an amazing guest. We've got Dustin Stradley the whole way from Florida. Hey Dustin, how are you doing? Good sir, how are you Dave? Yeah, very good. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Now, let me just share a little bit with our audience, a little bit about you so they're aware. You have been married for four years to Mari, and you've got uh, a little daughter called Jovi, Catherine, and she's just um, five months old. Is it this week, did you say? Five months old this week. Five months old this week, and you've been in ministry uh, vocational ministry for the last nine years. Currently, you lead Elevation Church campuses throughout the state of Florida. What a great, yes, sir. What a great place to be. So, the sunshine listen, state. Sunshine state. It is so good to have you with us on the podcast. Uh, Nathan, who's normally with us as a host, he's not available today. I think he's got stuck somewhere. I want to say maybe he's got stuck in an elevator or lift. And who knows, he could be anyone. He's going to miss out because this is going to be a brilliant conversation today, isn't it? Nathan's going to miss out. We're going to miss him, but we're going to have some, we're going to have some fun. We're going to be here, fun. Dave. Thanks for having it, me. It is a pleasure. So, hey, Dustin, come on. Tell us a little bit about uh, your story of coming to faith. I know when we spoke offline, you shared a little bit about your story. I'd love just to hear about that, coming to faith. And also, um, your, your sort of route in the ministry or, or vocational ministry, it'd be great just to have some feedback and some sharing on that. Absolutely, Dave. So, uh, quick story. Growing up, Dad took me to church every Wednesday, every Sunday, but I never really connected with church and I never connected mm. with Christians. As I got older, as a teenager had some bad experiences with Christians in church. Okay. So like many young people rebelled against Christianity, decided it wasn't for me and really didn't believe that God could love someone like me mm. based on the decisions I was making, based on the thoughts that I had. I really just couldn't measure up to this standard that, I had projected on who God was. I thought it was, if you do the right things, God will love you. But if you do the wrong things, God is mad at you. And so I, I turned to alcohol as one way to cope with some of the painful experiences I had um, throughout my life. I became addicted to alcohol. I went to jail twice. Mm. And it was the second time that I ended up in jail. That was my rock bottom experience. Wow. I never thought that I would wake up wearing an orange jumpsuit, laying on a plastic mattress pad in a small jail cell. Wow. And I had a friend who came and got me out of jail. That was in July of 2009. And at that point, I wanted to take my, I wanted to take my life. I didn't really see how I could continue. I saw no way out of this and I didn't know mm. where to turn. Mm. I was in a really bad space. I remember looking in a mirror right after I got out of jail and I was so disgusted with who I was looking at. I said, if I took my life right now, I don't know that anyone would care. Wow. And uh, within just a few days, I had a friend who cared enough about me. His name's Brett. We still talk to this day. He was at my wedding um, four years ago who cared enough about me to say, I'm not going to leave you in this place. 
And he said, I'm taking you to church this weekend. And I said, Brett, I don't do church. <laughs> he said, well, what you're doing right now is not working. So I don't think you really have any other options. So Brett threw me in the car. He took me to church and it happened to be Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that was in August of 2009. And I was hesitant. Again, I believed that there was a God, but I didn't like church and I didn't like Christians and I didn't believe God could love someone like me. Mm. But when I stepped into this place, something was different. For the first time in my life, and I couldn't articulate it that day or even that year, but nine years, I mean, let's see, 2009, over 10 years later, I look back and I can see that the tangible love of Jesus was was very present through the people. The way they met me with arms wide open, the way they didn't judge me for where I'd been just a few days before. Wow. And I experienced the love of Christ for the first time. And it was through Elevation Church that I gave my life to Jesus. I got baptized. I started serving as a volunteer in 2012. And then in 2013, I I felt God nudging me to leave corporate world. I was in the insurance industry. I went Mm -hmm. to to university or went to school for marketing and management and had a degree in business and ended up in the insurance industry. But I felt God calling me to step into vocational ministry. It didn't make sense. I'd had no desire to do it. If you were to ask me a list of top 1000 things I want to be when I grow up, it would not be a pastor. (laughs) It wouldn't even come close to making the list. But now I've been on staff at Elevation Church as a pastor for the past nine years as of this month. And it's been the greatest privilege and, and been so rewarding. And that's such an amazing story. And just listening to what you were saying there that you know, that point in your life where you felt so low, like what was going, what else was going through your mind then? You know, you were saying like, you didn't think anybody would miss you. Why do you think that was? Why why did you feel that way? Yeah, I I think a lot of the, um, I was just so hopeless and so empty and trying to find validation in people's opinions or, validation through fitting in, whether it be this workplace or using my skills here or with this crowd of people. And uh, the same thing I believed about God, I believed about everyone. And that was that if God can't love me, people can't love me. And it's really because I didn't love myself. Yeah. And so I I projected that on not only God, but those around me. So I was in such an empty place that I said, well, maybe the best way out is to give up. Mm, mm. But God cared enough about me to stop me from giving up. He said, I'm not going to let you give up. I've got more in store for you. And he did that through someone that, that I'm really close with. And I'm thankful for that. What, what, what a great story of transformation. And obviously you're in Elevation yeah. Church. Um, and is that what, did you meet your wife, wife there as well? Did you meet uh, your I wife? I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah, come on. I, I think our listeners are really interested in that. Not the ministry side of stuff. They want to know how that came about. <laughs> well, I was the first, I think I was the first single campus pastor at Elevation Church, wow. but uh, which was, which is an interesting dynamic to be in a city pastoring families with children yet had no spouse or children of my own, but 
when God calls you, he not only calls you, he equips you. And I was able to lead through, but then I met my wife September 4th of 2016. I stepped off stage at church. I walked out into the lobby. I see this beautiful blonde angel serving on one of our volunteer teams. I said, I've never seen her before. And I know every one of our volunteers. So then we did the Christian flirting, which can be awkward. And, yeah. uh, you know, trying to trying to recite all the Bible verses I knew and, and get yeah. her a reserved seat in the auditorium. And, and um, we ended up getting to know each other over the next few weeks as we served together. And, and then I sought wise counsel through um, different pastors on our staff and my counselor. And because I'd been through some, some unhealthy relationships before. And I said, I really want to make sure that we're doing this God's way. And, and she ends up being the most amazing human being I've ever met in my entire life. And so we, we went on 21 dates before we became a boyfriend and girlfriend. We dated for a year and a half before we got engaged. We were engaged for six months. And then as of next month, we will be married for four years with our first daughter of five months. So, oh, man, congratulations with all amazing. that. Like, from memory there, I think, am I right in saying, did, did you baptize your wife? I got to baptize my wife yeah, in, I thought, in, so. in what a great experience. December of 2016. And this was before she was your we wife. knew we'd get married. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> so if you see the picture, good. you can see that I'm looking at her a little differently. Yeah. But little did we know that one day we would we would end up we would end up married to one another. Yeah, and that that twinkle you had in your eye was different than everyone else. Actually, you were baptizing. A little, diff <laughs> little different. A little different. Hey, well, thanks for sharing some of the personal stuff there. And listen, what what what, what do you do for fun? What what's what's a thing that uh, you know excites you? Yeah, so we, my wife and I, do a weekly twenty four hour Sabbath. And uh, we do things that only bring us pure joy. So it looks different each week. We like to try uh, new restaurants. Uh, we live an hour from the beach. So we go to the beach probably two to three times a month. I love to go to the movies by myself occasionally and just sit back and enjoy the entertainment. I love to play basketball. We love to travel. But we don't just wait for the next vacation, um, but each each week, there's a 24-hour period where it feels like Christmas Day, wow. where we wake up and do only things that bring us pure joy. We spend time with God, we, we delight in, in one another, and we just have fun. And it really refreshes us to, to work hard the other six days. So that's what we like to do for fun each week. I like that. And, and something around that Sabbath about doing that, which only brings you joy. I like, I like that. And for you then, I know we've got, we've got a lot of questions here. We're going off script a little bit, but it's good. Um, so, yes, so absolutely. for you then, has, has that been a new practice that you've developed over the last while? Or has it been as part of your practice for the last 19 years? Really the last year and a half. Wow. So I leaned on the extreme side of Sabbath is completely irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I was. That's where I was before. And I would I would grind from morning until night, seven days a week. Mm. There's always things to be done. There's always people to reach. There's always mm. people to encourage, which is true. But trying to keep up with culture wasn't working. Sure. And we found ourselves with all the influence 
and and we had seen God move mightily on our behalf, but we were purely exhausted wow. and feeling empty. And I think 2020, we really evaluated some of our rhythms and and really started to seek God to do it God's way, not our way. And reality is God can do more in one day than I can do in all seven. <laughs> so if even God himself rested, not because he needed to, but because he wanted to model for us what it means to rest and delight in him and to delight in each other and to delight in creation, why would I think that I don't need to rest? Yeah. So last year we started to exercise the discipline of honoring a Sabbath. And so even like tomorrow is going to be our Sabbath. So today being Thursday, uh, we will we will not only do everything as it relates to ministry and work, but uh, we clean our house. We make sure all the dishes are done, all the grocery shopping is done, all the Amazon pack- packages are ordered, all the bills are paid. We we try to do anything and everything we can to prepare for the Sabbath, nice, so that we can truly just enjoy it and not oh hey I forgot to order this oh I forgot to do this oh we don't have enough laundry. So instead, we used to spend our one day off catching up on all the things we didn't do the other six days. <laughs> yeah, so so just picking up on that in a very practical way, Dustin, let's think of that for a minute, because I'm, I'm sure there's some leaders listening and they're thinking, um, that sounds like me in the sense of all the things we're just uh, gathering up at the weekend, we would do them then, blah, blah, blah. So... So have you changed your sort of routine at home in the sense, are you doing little bits day by day? What what have you done differently to allow you that space? For sure. I think it's improved communication between my wife and I. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's improved our rhythms of working together. So if we want to have a peaceful, fun, enjoyable Sabbath tomorrow, what do we need to do? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we break it down day by day by day. We share a calendar with one another and look at each evening outside Mm. of our our ministry hours. And of course, ministry is fluid. It's not a nine to five. You're always doing ministry. But for example, my wife had um, a, a church event last night. So I was on dad duty while she had the church event last night, but we reserved this evening for us to take care of household responsibilities so that we can wake up tomorrow morning and have a clean organized house Mm. and just enjoy bills have been paid budget's been updated the laundry's caught caught up to speed we've got groceries in the fridge but it's it's really it took us probably three to four months of of adjusting and figuring it out and we still some days we do it better than others some weeks are very much enjoyable. Some some weeks are, oh my gosh, this, you know, we messed this one up. <laughs> it's a process. It's a process. But I had a friend challenge me. He said the day of preparation is is just as important as the day of Sabbath itself. And and so really just spending a day or two preparing for that Sabbath has been the key to to having a successful one for us. Uh, and, and it gives you that new rhythm, doesn't it, where you're working out of rest rather than working to rest. 
And I think that's the, the yes. narrative in Genesis, isn't it, really, with this idea that we started off with rest and then work, rather than we work yes. to rest. And I think a lot of people out there, that's yes. how they live. They, they live to work, 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 and then they rest. But actually, the idea is, is we rest, and from our rest, then we do better work. I think that's what you're describing, isn't it? Well, exactly. And, and most of the people listening are probably driven leaders yeah absolutely and 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 say yes to any and every opportunity and and work hard and, and there's nothing wrong with with having drive and being committed to giving excellence to all things but in the end um it's working from rest instead of working you know like you said to rest and if i can take that one day and that energizes and refreshes me for the other six knowing that i'm working out of the overflow of what God's doing in my life, instead of only running to him because I'm exhausted all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, trying to outpace God, but instead just working in, in, you know, in step with God. I like that, Dustin. Thanks for sharing that. Just thinking then for you as a leader, hey, what, what's the one thing that sort of gets you up in the morning besides your newborn baby? So you can't use that one. <laughs> What's so the, b- besides, <laughs> besides the uh, double alarm clock and the dirty diaper. Yeah, besides that, okay. what, what's, the, what's the motivation? Yeah, I think it's just the discipline of knowing that I have a responsibility every day. Mm. A responsibility to God, a responsibility to my family, a responsibility to the people that I lead to give them everything God has given me. So to start with why. Like I know what I'm doing each day, it's in my calendar, but start with why, like why am I throwing myself into six meetings a day? Or why am I saying no to certain opportunities instead of saying yes to every opportunity? I have to start with why, because most mm-hmm. of the time, if I'm being real, I don't feel like getting up. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a morning person. I don't jump out of bed with joy and enthusiasm ready to just to, to run full speed into, into my day. Some days I'm more energized than others. Uh, many days I'd rather, I'd rather sleep in. So it's not a feeling that, that gets me up because feelings are fluid. Sure. They come and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some days I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm very energized and focused and some days uh, I'm not, it has to be deeper than that. So it's looking at my daughter and thinking about uh, the model I'm setting for her as her father. It's looking at my wife and thinking about what kind of husband do I want to be to her today? Uh, it's looking at my staff and thinking, how can I help them experience God's best for, for their lives? It's thinking about who I want to be five years from now and then doing the things today that will help me to become a better me five years from now, a better husband, a better leader, a better pastor. A better father. So it's it's really about being, not just doing. We all have to do list, but recently I've I've been challenging myself to put together a to be list. Like who do I want to be five years from now? And that's much that's much more motivating to me than here's my to do list for today. So let who I want to be drive what I'm doing today. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And there's something 
quite powerful around that, isn't it, of, of thinking of what you want to be in five years rather than what you want to do, because that's, that's the bigger driver, as you say, underneath. Let, let, let's just pick up a little bit of your journey then in, in the Elevation Church. You became a Christian as you turned up there. You, obviously, you got baptised. You've met your wife there. I wonder if you could just share with um, our listeners something about your journey then at Elevation Church. You know, what, what's, what's that been like? And, and what's the thing that's inspired you the most? Yeah, for sure. So I, when I was, uh, I was in the insurance industry for, for three and a half years, I was volunteering as a greeter at one of our churches in North Carolina. And a couple of leaders on staff at the church asked me if I'd thought about vocational ministry. And my initial response was, nope, <laughs> haven't thought about it. Don't want to think about it. No desire to think about it. I didn't feel qualified. And it just didn't make sense to me for many different reasons. Financially, it didn't make sense. I was working a, a really good corporate job. I was climbing the ladder. I was um, paying off a lot of debt at the time, school loans, car loans. And then uh, I just didn't feel qualified based on my past. Everything I had done, everything I had saw, everything I had thought, like, I don't think God can use someone like me. But then after hearing about this apprenticeship program at our church, Ooh. I heard about it one time, two times, three times, four times, 15 different times. And I don't know about you, Dave, but um, God is very patient with me and also redundant because I don't listen the first time. And after hearing 15 different times about this apprenticeship program, I thought, well, maybe I should pray about it. And <laughs> maybe God's trying to speak something to me. Ultimately, I felt like God was calling me to apply. I even tried to mess up the interview, Dave. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, tr I tried to mess it up. I tried to get out of it. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to even attempt to, to be impressive in this video that I'm submitting right now. And then it was like, congratulations, you've made it to the next round of interviews. I'm like, I don't know how, because I'm not trying. And long story short, I ended up um, leaving leaving the uh, corporate world and stepping into vocational ministry. I took a 65% pay decrease, stepped yes. out in, in faith. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I barely made it through the apprenticeship program. I barely made it on staff at our church. I had no idea what I was doing as the, the college guy, the college pastor, whatever you want to call me the first year. I had no idea what I was doing when I became a campus pastor a year after doing the college ministry. And I have no idea oftentimes now <laughs> on what I'm doing yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as a regional pastor overseeing an entire region. But I think my story is this. God uses broken people to do big things. I like that. Yeah, I like that. God That's uses broken career. people to do big things. Yeah. So for anyone who feels unworthy, unqualified, who feels I'm too broken to be used by God and not on a church staff that can be anywhere. Your ministry is where you are. Sure. Like your ministry is your school. Your ministry is your family. Your ministry is in your workplace. Your ministry is on that sports team, but that God doesn't call the qualified. You've heard this. Mm. He qualifies the called mm. and God uses broken people to do big things. And that's been my journey at this church. Oftentimes I'm like, Hey God, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve to be here. Uh, I don't really 
know what I'm doing, but if you called me, you've equipped me and we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So something powerful about that, uh, just being open for God to equip you. And I suppose even having that sort of, that stance or attitude where actually you don't know everything because sometimes leaders, whether we like it or not, they pretend they do know everything. Hey, I've been <laughs> there. Then, Trust me. <laughs> and that's, and God that's has what humbled me plenty. Trouble. I get it. Yeah. And that's when we get in trouble, isn't it? Because we think we know everything and we've got all the answers and actually it doesn't quite work out. So it's good to have that sort of stance where you're saying, actually, yeah, I don't know everything. And, but actually, that's okay. Do you know what I mean? It's okay we don't know everything. And um, I'm sure you've heard it said, like, if I'm the smartest person in the room, actually, I'm in the wrong room. It's that sort of Correct. thinking, isn't it? Hey, hey, hundred percent. What, what about some of this sort of navigation for you, like thinking of some of the roles you've done? Because you've now mentioned you're sort of like um, overseeing some of the regional stuff in Florida. I think you're looking after uh, quite a number of campus pastors and staff. But you didn't start there. So, you know, what, what was that sort of, how did you navigate those changes? Yeah, it's been interesting. I was the campus pastor, meaning that I was the primary pastor of one church for nearly seven years. And that was in Roanoke, Virginia. And we saw God do immeasurably more than anything we could think, ask, or imagine. It grew from five people in a basement to seeing over 7,000 people come to know Jesus Amazing. in a city of 100,000. God moved mightily on our behalf. It, it was just his hand of favor was on it. It was, it was such a rewarding experience to have a front row seat for that. But then coming out of the pandemic, I stepped into this role that really doesn't exist in our church to um, not just pastor one campus, but to pastor a region. Mm. So in the state of Florida, we have two, two Elevation Church campuses. So one in Melbourne, Florida, one in Orlando, Florida, but we also have online church family. Okay. Because yeah. if anything, we were reminded out of the pandemic that the church is not a building, it's the people. Sure. Which we always knew that. We always said that. But I think it became real to all of us out of the pandemic when the buildings were stripped away. So now how do we how do we pastor not just one church, but how do we pastor an entire region? How can we unify the efforts of the people and aggressively expand the gospel of Jesus to reach, you know, the ends of the earth? But for me, that would be the, the state of Florida. So this transition has been has been interesting it's been humbling it's been overwhelming invigorating exhausting energizing all at the same time <laughs> um i think the biggest focus you said it a minute ago and i just wanted to capitalize on that the biggest focus has been taking a posture of a student the more experience and exposure i've had around ministry the temptation is to find my confidence in what worked in the past mm -hmm. instead of being open to where we're headed in the future. Yeah, I like that. So I have a book in my kitchen right over there. Um, it's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. So what worked for me in a previous season might not work for me in this season. And it doesn't mean God can't use all of my past experiences and exposure to give me wisdom on how to expand the kingdom. 
forward. But the moment I become an expert, you said it, is the moment we stop growing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. is the moment I stop growing. Like the teacher must also always be a student. Simultaneously, same time, teacher and student. So it's open to God's plans above my plans. It's open to others' ideas above my ideas. Just because I've been on staff for nine years doesn't mean I always have the best idea. As much as I like my ideas being celebrated, if yeah, I'm just yeah. being real, what if the, the guy who's been on staff for a year with fresh perspective and fresh eyes, who's coming from a different industry, who's been living in Orlando his entire life, and I just moved here a year and a half ago. Am I open to listening to what he has to say? Like, am I willing to pull out my notebook, learn from anyone and everyone, not just in vocational ministry, but but regardless of what industry they're in or what experience they have, we can learn something from anyone and everyone if we're open to it. And that, that's, that's humbling, especially the longer you've, you've been in a certain industry or a certain profession or you've been doing a certain thing. Like you, you mentioned, the temptation is to become the expert. Yeah. But that's how I've been navigating this role in the past year and a half is really taking a posture of a student. And, and it's, it's challenging but it's also been it's been it's been really rewarding to glean experiences from others and really piece together in my mind like oh wow okay I never thought of that or I've never seen that or yeah you actually lived here your entire life you would know that better than I do yeah. or wow your gifts are way different than my gifts so maybe I should ask you some questions around that instead of being the the nine year regional expert it's like hmm. I don't really know what I'm doing. This is a role that doesn't <laughs> exist in our church either. So I, I can't really glean that from many people in our church. Hey, tell me what it means to be a regional pastor because we don't know. Yeah, but that's yeah. been the, the fun part is, is, is figuring that out together. Hey, listen, it's been so good to have you with us. Uh, the whole way from sunny Florida. Uh, thank you for taking the time early in the morning. It's late in the afternoon for us, but thank you for being with oh, us. Thank you, guys. If if people want to connect with you or find you, how should they do that? First, Dave, thank you. I love what God's doing through you, what's happening through um, opportunities like this, how many leaders you're helping in different industries, different businesses, different churches. Your ability to network and connect with people is unmatchable. Oh, it's amazing. So so keep you. up the great work. And, uh, and we're here to support you and we're cheering you on every step of the way. Uh, Instagram, it's just my full name. Try to make it easy. Dustin Stradley. You can add me on Facebook, Dustin Stradley. Email DustinStradley at gmail.com. Try to keep it consistent, as simple as possible. Oh, fantastic. Well, we want to say a big thank you for being with us today. And uh, we want to say to all our listeners, if they want to get some free resources to help in their church and their team, they can head on over to our website, resources. They can pick up some free resources and uh we just want to bless them as well. Uh, check again, it out. Go uh, download them. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, let somebody know about it. Subscribe if you're whatever platform you're on and let people know where to find us because they too hopefully will enjoy what we have talked about today. Share, share, share. Get that the word be. out. <laughs>